morning. Good morning. Uh, anyways, like Colton said, we are jumping right into our sermon series called Reunion. Uh, and I'm sorry, my name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, it's great to be with you. Uh, in this series, we're looking at the good news of Jesus for seeker saints and sinners, uh, which I think includes all of us uh, in some form on that spectrum. And so this is good news uh, for you and me. And so we've been going through the good news, or as, as often referred to, the gospel. Uh, and the gospel is simple enough for children to comprehend, uh, but it's complex enough uh, that it should keep us busy in pondering uh, the mystery and the beauty of it for our whole lives. Uh, and so we started looking at the gospel, the good news, in its simplistic form in one word. Uh, and that was our first week, the gospel in one word, which was Jesus. Uh, and then we looked at the gospel in three words, which was Jesus Lord. Hey, you guys are doing good. Uh, and so you can catch up on any of those sermons by going on our website and um, seeing those past weeks. Uh, but this morning, we're going to look at the gospel in 30 words. Uh, and so we went from simplicity, and now we're getting to increasing complexity. Uh, and uh, so the rest of the series will be us unpacking uh, the gospel in 30 words. And summarizing the gospel in a, in a memorable way is not a new idea. People have been doing this uh, for all of church history, trying to find ways to summarize it in a way uh, for the purpose of presenting it very simply to people so that they can understand. And so maybe you've heard different summaries of the gospel in your life. Uh, you might recognize some of these. In the 1950s, uh, one of, uh, probably the most popular summary was the four spiritual laws. And so those spiritual laws are uh, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Our sin has separated us from God. Jesus is God's only provision for salvation. We must receive salvation by faith in Christ. How many of you guys have heard this before, this four spiritual laws? Uh, quite a few of you in some form. Uh, and so these are great because they, they quickly just outline some key aspects uh, of the good news. And so there's been different kind of versions of this uh, throughout time. Uh, you might be familiar with the Bridge to Life from Navigators. And this says, the Bible teaches that God loves all human beings and wants them to know him. But human, being, but human sinned against God and are separated from God, leading to death and judgment. There is a solution. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and in so doing has become the bridge between humanity and God. Only those who trust Christ can cross the bridge. The choice is yours. So that's the bridge to life. Uh, and then Billy Graham Association uh, came up with their own four steps. Uh, the steps to peace with God, God's plan, peace in life. Step two, humanity's problem, separation. Step three, God's remedy, the cross. Step four, human response, receive Christ. And so the Billy Graham Association brought these four in order to help people uh, take the four steps to put their faith in Jesus. Uh, and uh, these four types of ideas, it was quickly seen that they, they show up at uh, different places in the book of Romans. And so something came up uh, with this idea of the Roman road. And, uh, and I'll just even quickly highlight the Roman road for you. And so the Roman ro road starts with human need, which is found in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6.23, which says uh, that for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, and then the third point being God's provision, Romans 5 verse 8, which says... 
God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then Romans 10, verse 9, which we looked at uh, last week, which says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is your, with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And so those uh, four became known, those four verses became known as the Romans Road. Uh, and, uh, and I appreciate all, all of these different summaries uh, because the good news of Jesus is such an expansive message. Finding uh, ways to summarize it quickly for people to comprehend uh, is important and is worth our time in thinking about that and how we share that. Uh, however, each of those four uh, or each of those summaries and those four points uh, have problems. They have flaws with them. Uh, they uh, simplify, they, they reduce the gospel uh, to less than the whole picture. You can see that most of these summaries focus on salvation from sin as the central gospel idea. And this certainly is important. It's part of the gospel message, but it is not the whole gospel message. And so if you're going to be a student of the good news of the gospel, uh, then it's important, I think, that we understand the complexities and the depths as much as we can. And so as we've looked at this series... Uh, which is not a SunWest uh, initiation, right? But Brexy Cavey and his church uh, did this series, and so that's where we've taken it from. Brexy's summary of the gospel, his suggestion, and I'm just putting this for our pondering, is the gospel in 30 words, uh, which is this. Jesus is God with us, come to show us God's love, save us from sin, set up God's kingdom, and shut down religion so we can share in God's life. The gospel in 30 words. So put up your hand if you counted those words. <laughs> we got a few, uh, I think, type A personalities. I'm going to make sure that this is 30 words, uh, and it is exactly 30 words, uh, just so you can be at peace and rest, that it's not the gospel in 31 words. Uh, and so we can break down the gospel in 30 words into three different parts, three different main chunks. Uh, the ground of the gospel, which is Jesus is God with us. Then we have the gifts of the gospel, and these are the four things that Jesus has accomplished on our behalf and God's, uh, for our behalf and for God's glory, uh, showing us God's love, saving us from sin, setting up his kingdom, and shutting down religion. And we can actually see these uh, four ideas summarized in Revelation uh, 1, uh, 5 to 6, which says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins, by his blood, and made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. What a great verse. And it summarized kind of the gifts of the gospel there in a very concise form. And even as I was going through this, this is just a completely side note. Colton was talking about uh, starting point and our core four, our strategy at Sun was to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Uh, and I just remind me again that those four uh, ideas are even, even here in Revelation 1, 5 to 6, to know God, be, find freedom from our sins, may, being made to be a kingdom of priests, uh, and uh, to serve to make a difference. And so just... Uh, just cool how expansive this gospel is and how simple you can make it, but also how, how many implications there are to that. So those are the gifts uh, of the gospel. And then uh, lastly, the goal of the gospel is to share in God's life. God draws us into his very own love life, both now and forever, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. So uh, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, we looked at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, 
And so, uh, again, Abraham Maslow first published this famous hierarchy in 1943, and he revisited it and added uh, transcendence to the top of it, like we talked about uh, later in his life in 1970. And so the whole concept of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is that you can't ascend to the next level of needs until the foundational levels are met. So if you uh, don't have food, water, and sleep, uh, you are not going to feel safe. And if you don't feel safe, you're not going to feel love or belonging. And if you don't feel love or belonging, you're not going to have a sense of identity and esteem. And if you don't have that, uh, then you won't be able to experience self-actualization. Uh, we've actually added purpose uh, to Maslow. So this is Maslow's hierarchy need with a little bit of an addition. It's been noted uh, throughout uh, the last couple of decades uh, that there is a, a, a purpose and a meaning uh, which is important for, uh, for human health. And so purpose is in there as well. And so this list isn't exhaustive, uh, and Maslow himself uh, critiqued it off and on, uh, which, which is healthy, but I think it, it gives us a bit of a picture of what human need, the expanse of what human need actually is. Uh, and we'll come back to this hierarchy in future weeks, but I just want to make a few observations uh, as we start unpacking the gospel in 30 words. First, throughout history, people have tried to uh, explain the evidence for the gospel, the evidence for God, uh, by using something called apologetics. And so, uh, whether it's through scientific arguments or philosophical arguments or proving uh, the historicity of the miracles in the scriptures, uh, Showing the reality of God is something called apologetics. One of the greatest apologetics that we can actually give to people is helping people understand how the life and the teachings of Jesus actually respond exactly to our human needs. You know, and human needs is something that people have uh, recognized and discovered, like we see here in psychology, outside of Scripture. Uh, and Jesus actually uniquely takes uh, the gospel and it fits right into our needs as human beings. And so if we look at the gospel in 30 words, you can see how these 30 words actually respond to our various level of human needs. Uh, that we have, uh, that God is with us, that it gives us a sense of security, uh, that our love, belonging, esteem, and purpose and self-actualization come from the gifts of the gospel, that God, uh, that God saves us from our sin, that he came to set up uh, God's kingdom, that he came to shut down religion, and this idea of transcendence of of, of living beyond ourselves uh, is, is we're invited to share in the life of God, live beyond ourselves for God. Uh, and so the second thing I want to just highlight, though, is that the physical piece, air, food, and water, uh, even though the Gospel in 30 Words doesn't specifically address this, we know that if you read Scripture, it's caring for the least of these. Uh, the life and ministry of Jesus shows that he gave priority to people who had very physical and practical needs. In 1 John 3, 17, it says, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? And so as followers of Jesus, we are called very practically to love those uh, with uh, practical needs. Third, the message of God with us is foundation for humans to feel safe and secure. And so today, we're going to unpack the ground of the gospel. We're going we're to start here with the beginning of the gospel in 30 words. God with us. Looking back at the gospel in three words, 
And in one word, you'll recognize that Jesus is at the center of both of them. So the gospel in one word was Jesus, gospel in three words is Jesus is Lord, and Jesus is in the center of it from the beginning to the end, and that's no accident. The good news from a historical, came from a historical event that happened 2,000 years ago in a very real divine human being called Jesus. And this is why SunWest's mission statement from its very inception has been to guide all people into a lifelong authentic relationship with Jesus. Uh, so Jesus is at the center of it all. Uh, and why is that? Because Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now this is not a very popular, uh, culturally acceptable idea. I mean, this sounds awfully exclusive. Surely someone would say, why is there only, uh, why is there only one way to God? Isn't that really uh, exclusive? That's not good news. The good news would be, you know, I'm one way to God. You know, there's other ways to God, but I'm one way to God. Every path leads up to the top of the mountain, so pick your path, uh, and if you pick me, great. If you pick another one, that's great too. That would sound like good news. This is what our culture would say, our world would say. Um, But this thinking is fundamentally religious in the worst possible way. And so I want to spend this morning talking about why that is. Uh, The many paths up the mountain theory is based on three faulty religious assumptions. And so here's the three of them. Uh, God is still up on the mountain. It is our lot in life to climb up the mountain to get to God, and the paths and the person are separate. So these are three faulty assumptions that people Uh, unknowingly are buying into and believing when they push back against Jesus being the only way to God. So nothing could be further from the truth than these three realities if the gospel is actually true. So let's look at the first one, that God is still up on the mountain. The, The story of the gospel, the good news, begins with the incarnation, that the God, the creator of the world, came to earth in the form of a human. We know this as the Christmas story. Uh, and so we're going to celebrate Christmas here in a couple of months, uh, and, and this is referred to as the incarnation, uh, and carne comes from uh, the word that means uh, meat or flesh, and so when you order tacos de carne, uh, that's tacos with beef, tacos with meat on it, and so Jesus, the incarnation, is like God with meat, God with flesh on him. Uh, And so the story uh, of the gospel begins with God initiating, coming from heaven, coming to earth, putting flesh on in the form of a human, and becoming one of us. It's it's an incredible, powerful reality uh, of what God has done in history. When a a number of years ago, when my kids were much smaller, one of my sons, and I'm not going to tell you which one, uh, we went to the zoo. Uh, and we went to the zoo a lot when my kids were little. We get, we'd get the season passes, and I haven't been in the zoo in quite a few years, to be honest. Uh, but we used to go all the time. And at the zoo, they had this playground apparatus. Do they still have it there? Like that, they had that big one with like multi-layered. Yeah, okay, it's, it's like the, the most amazing playground apparatus thing. And it's, it's like maze, amazing, you've got to climb up into it. It's got like four different levels to it. And so my kids are in there. And they're playing and they're climbing and weaseling their way up in this thing. And, uh, and I hear uh, my son yell from one of the levels that is a few levels up, uh, where the slide kind of goes up to, and he's screaming from the top. He's like, Dad, I got to go pee. <laughs> I said, well, come down the slide. 
He's like, I can't. I'm scared. I'm like, you got to come down the slide. He's like, no, I can't. He's like, I'm going to pee my pants. I'm like, you got to come down the slide. He's like, no. And he's, he's like sitting at the top of the slide. He's like, I got to pee. I'm like, just come down the slide. He's like, no, I, I can't. I, I'm not going to do it. And I'm like, I'm calling out his name. And it, he's stopped screaming, stopped complaining. And I'm wondering what happened. And I see like this, this river actually come down, <laughs> this river coming down the slide. And I see that he's log jamming the slide at the top. And there's all these other kids that are waiting to go down the slide. And he's like... <gasps> He's crying, and then, uh, you know, the other kids are losing patience, and I see uh, them start to come down the slide. Uh, And I'm like, whoa, whoa, stop, stop. Uh, You know, don't go down the slide. And I remember grabbing, like, wet wipes out of the the diaper bag, uh, because every good parent needs a good pack of wet wipes at all times. And so I grab a whole bunch, and I start to make my way up this apparatus. And if you've ever seen the one at the zoo, it is tight, it's difficult. you got to, like, bend your body, like, three different directions as an adult human being that's six feet tall to try and get through this this thing that little three-foot people can make it through. And so I'm like, I'm like screaming, don't go down the slide, don't go down the slide. And then, and, then I, and then I finally get up there and I go down the slide on my stomach and I'm wiping it up with the, with the wet wipes on my way down, cleaning it up as I go. And, uh, and it was intense. It was intense. It was emergency time. I, I actually had to enter into the world of my son, enter into the world of these little three-foot people that adults are not supposed to go into. I'm not sure what they had in mind. I mean, the, the playground is amazing, uh, but it's, it, it is, it is uninhabitable, uninhabitable by an adult human being. Uh, so I'm not sure what they do when there's an emergency. Uh, but anyways, that's what I did. I made my way through it. I got up there. I came down the slide. I cleaned it up. And I got down to the level of my, my son in his place of need to get into his world to clean it up. And this is a very simplistic, overly simplistic, reductionistic uh, example of incarnation. You know, many people think that God just stood there or sat there saying, well, it's your problem you're peeing down the slide, you're not willing to come down, but until you figure it out, I'm just going to let you stay there and figure it out. No, as the father, I actually got to his level, I entered into his world uh, so that I could be a part of the solution. This is the incarnation, this is the the, the Christmas story, the beginning of the gospel, that God didn't just sit back and wait for us to figure out our own problems, to make our way to him. The gospel story, the Christmas story begins, and we see it in Matthew 1.23 when the, the angel came to announce what was going to happen. He said, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, maybe because the Christmas story is so familiar, we, we miss uh, how groundbreaking and life-changing this reality actually is. Uh, We miss how uh, offensive this reality was to uh, people that that worshipped the God uh, that they understood in the Old Testament. Because the God that they understood was very separate from human beings. Uh, That he had a covenant, he had a relationship with a particular set of people, but he was always distant. There was always degrees of separation. 
And sometimes they didn't know where God was or if he was even listening anymore, and they went for hundreds of years sometimes not knowing where God was. And there's particular moments in history where God made his presence known among them, uh, and so he would camp out near them, not with them, but kind of outside the camp he would be there. And then he was in the Holy of Holies, which, which is like the center place in the, in, in the temple. And nobody could go in there except the high priest, who could only go in there once a year. Uh, and when he went in there, they tied a rope around his ankle just in case he died in the presence of God because God was so holy and separate uh, that they would be able to drag out the dead body. And so this was the mentality. And even the belief in a Messiah, uh, which the Jewish people would have believed in, that there was a Messiah that was going to come in to save, they didn't equate Messiah with God himself. So even if, when they were trying to figure out, is Jesus the Messiah, they're, they're trying to figure out if Jesus was a human being that God sent to save them, uh, and they didn't recognize that Jesus was actually God with flesh on, God incarnate. This is a very offensive idea, that the holy God, the God of the universe, the creator God, who is separate and other than us, and that's what holy means, means to be separate, would actually become not separate and become one of us. And so God is Emmanuel, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. This changes everything. And just to, to quickly clarify, when the angel pronounces that God is with us, uh, it means that God is for us. That God is with us because he's for us. I, I entered into the world of the zoo playground because I was for my son and for the sanitary well-being of all the other kids that were sliding down the slide. But God is for us. And being in right relationship with God will meet all of our fundamental needs. And believing that God is on our side and that God is with us can be a recipe for disaster and destruction if we don't understand it correctly. Because the gospel, the good news that God is with us, means that God is with all of us. It's not saying that God is with us and not with them. Uh, and this often gets missed. God is with us are dangerous words unless that God says he is with all of us, on all of our sides, together. This is the message that Jesus came to proclaim and embody and empower us to live. This is why Jesus was so offensive uh, to people that took their religious uh, posture seriously to be in right relationship with God because they wanted God on their side. And when they realized that Jesus was on the side of everybody, that was offensive to them. In Joshua 5, it reminds me uh, of the story in Joshua 5 where Joshua asked an angel who came, uh, and he, had a, he was a sword-bearing angel, and Joshua asked him, are you for us or against us? And the angel responded by saying, neither, I'm on the Lord's side. And we as humans have a tendency to hijack God's message of universal love, the good news for all humanity, for all people, the great news or the, of great joy for all people that we talked about the first week. We can hijack that message for our own agenda, but when we do that, we actually don't leave the gospel intact anymore. In the first century when Jesus came, uh, it was very possible, uh, not only possible, but this is what happened for the majority of, of Jewish people uh, originally was they thought if God is for us, it means that God is against the Romans. But Jesus, whose life defines the idea of Emmanuel, who is the word of God, who helps us understand who God is, what God is saying, would grow up to teach that God is with us and for all of us. So this groundbreaking truth that God is Emmanuel with us 
came for all of us. It starts the beginning of the good news story, the gospel story. But it doesn't just end at the beginning. It doesn't just end in the Christmas story. If you look at the end of Jesus' life and teachings, he, he ends his time with his disciples saying, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is saying this wasn't a one-time thing. This wasn't a one point in history that God became Emmanuel with us. In fact, Jesus says that when he goes to the Father, he's going to send the Helper, the Holy Spirit, to be with us and to be in us. So God isn't just with us 2,000 years ago. God is with us today through his Spirit. And this is the beginning and the ground of the gospel. So the faulty assumption that God is still up on the mountain is, is false. It actually denies the gospel story that God came down from the mountain to us. Uh, the second reason that is faulty is uh, the, the, the belief, sorry, the, the second faulty assumption is the belief that it is our lot in life to climb up the mountain and get to God. And so you might think, uh, you know, well, that's obvious because of the first point, uh, but let me just build upon it. Uh, Ephesians says, uh, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So the gospel, the good news, is a gift. It's not a reward. We can't gain it by effort. And a gift means that you didn't earn it, that it was freely given to you. And so if you remember to the four-point summaries that we talked about at the beginning of the message, uh, some of those four-point summaries often came with, with a diagram. So if you heard them, you probably saw them explained with a diagram, and the diagram usually looks something like this. So for example, to revisit one, the Bridge to Life summary, the Bible teaches that God loves all humans and wants them to know him. But humans sinned against God and are separated from God, leading to death and judgment. There's a solution. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and in so doing has become the bridge between humanity and God. Only those who trust Christ can cross the bridge. The choice is yours. Do you want to cross the bridge? Um, and so the cross representing Jesus uh, was often drawn between the chasms between man and God, with sin being that, that separation. Uh, and, and this is a really valuable diagram in some ways, uh, but again, it misses a fundamental element of the gospel message. Uh, and one of the obvious ones being uh, that the arrow uh, should be pointing in the other direction. You know, we can often talk about the gospel and still keep intact this religious idea that we've got to get to God and forget the fact that God came to us. I mean, Bruxy, who, who, who talks about this, he's a, he's a little bit of a larger guy. He said the second problem with it is um, I was a fat kid and I didn't know how I was supposed to get over the middle of the cross. <laughs> so, uh, so maybe when you were a kid, you were like, maybe I'm athletic, I'm too small. It's like, you know, it's still not a flat bridge. What am I supposed to do with that middle part? Anyways, um, so the arrow... It's going in the opposite direction often, and we should switch it because God has come to us. God has given us everything religion tries to do but fails to give us. We don't have to climb any path to get up the mountain. God's no longer on the mountain. God actually came down the mountain. Um, so the gospel isn't primarily about getting us into heaven, though it does include eternal life with God. The gospel is about getting heaven to us, about recognizing that heaven has come to us through Jesus. The gospel is about how we can begin to experience a taste of heaven even today. When Jesus presented the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of God, he wasn't talking to his disciples about something that was going to happen in the future. He was talking to them about something that was at hand right now when he was with them. 
The Lord's Prayer, when he teaches us to pray, he says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So everything is about God's initiation, God's activity. God initiated making us in the very beginning of the biblical story. And then when he went astray, God initiated sending servants and spokespeople, judges and prophets to help us know the truth. He sent us, God initiated sending the law so that we would know how to live. And eventually God rolled up his sleeves after all those other things that he tried and initiated to do and he rolled up his sleeves and he came down himself to be with us. And it doesn't just stop with Jesus, like we said, that, that God still initiates by sending his spirit to infuse our minds with the mind of Christ, reminding us of his teaching and convicting us of sin uh, when we're missing the mark uh, and encouraging us when we're suffering. God is always initiating. God is always moving towards us. So the third faulty assumption in this idea that all pathways uh, lead up to God is that the paths and the person are separate. If Jesus really is God come to us, then Jesus is not just one path to get to the person of God. It actually misses the entire point. Instead, the path and the person are one. Jesus says, I am, I am the way. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, in John 14, 6, uh, he, he expands on and gives context, and he, he says this. He says, if you, had really know, if you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him, Philip said, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, I have been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still do not know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Jesus is the way to God because Jesus is God. If God himself comes to us, it makes perfect sense that he should say say to us that he is the way to himself. Why turn to anyone or anything else as a secondary source to know God when God has already actually made himself known to us? So you could imagine yourself, you went to a party, and at the, and at the party everybody's talking about this guy named Bob. Have you met Bob? Bob's amazing. Uh, he's like, man, I'd love to meet Bob. You know, he sounds like a, a great guy. And, and you start thinking, uh, you know, it'd be great to meet Bob. Everybody seems to really love Bob. And then you find out that Bob's actually going to be at the party. So Bob walks into the party, and he's kind of on the other side of the room, and, and you think, well, everybody loves Bob, thinks he's great, it'd be great if I got to know Bob, and you're, you're working up the, pres- the, the, the courage to go across the room and introduce yourself to Bob. See, religion is like a person at the party talking about Bob with everyone else but Bob. And sure, you could talk to a whole bunch of people at the party and all those people and all those paths might give you an idea about who God is, or about who Bob is, sorry, uh, who Bob is, uh, but that's far different than actually talking to Bob. All right, so back to the party. Everybody's talking about Bob. It'd be great if you knew Bob, uh, but you, you found out quite a bit about Bob by talking to people about Bob, but you haven't actually talked to Bob yourself, and you think, man, I'd like to talk to Bob, um, but I'm not sure how to do that. Uh, it's... I'm you know, socially awkward, and it would be really great if Bob actually came to me. And sure enough, Bob walks across the room, and you find out that Bob's actually been waiting to get to know you. And he initiates. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God actually did that? Well, God did do that. That's the gospel message. This is the gospel message. And when Jesus, so when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and we think that's too exclusive, it, it actually doesn't make any sense if you understand what the gospel is telling us, that the gospel is a person, that Jesus is the way, 
Jesus isn't up on the mountain. Jesus actually came down the mountain. And you're thinking, i got to go up the mountain to meet Jesus, but Jesus is already here. If the gospel was a technique or a tip for life, we could learn it from anyone, find it in other religions, or declare uh, that there may be many different pathways to find out this idea or to get these concepts right. But that's actually not what the gospel is. If the gospel is first and foremost a person, then there is only one way to get to God, and that is through God himself. So when we think of the Christmas story, back to the Christmas story, uh, and Matthew is a disciple of Jesus telling the Christmas story, uh, and he says the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Uh, This declaration is at the heart of the gospel. Through Jesus, God has come down to us, become one of us, entering the same uh, human pain and suffering that we all experience. God is really with us, with you and I, in our human experience. God is not only with us in terms of being present with us, he's also with us in terms of having experienced the same thing. Hebrews talks about how Jesus has experienced all that we have experienced. He was sinless, but he's experienced the level of of, of temptation and pain and suffering that you and I have experienced. So Jesus isn't just with us watching what's happened. Jesus is actually with us in the sense that he's experienced life with us. Jesus loved us so much that he came from Uh, from heaven to earth. He didn't just sit back and watch us and wait for us to figure it out. He became Emmanuel, God with us. When you love someone, uh, and I know that was a a little bit of a funny story, but when my my kid was in the playground, when I love my kid, I will do anything to, to help my kid. I mean, if there was another kid at the top of the slide, peeing down the slide, you think I'd get up there and wipe it up? There's not a chance. But when you love someone, you will do whatever it takes to help someone. When we think of the Christmas story, there are many lessons that we could draw from the story, but one overarching reality shines through. God chooses to identify with the weak, the poor, and the hurting. When God comes to earth, he enters as a baby, as a vulnerable baby. God chooses to come at the mercy of two humans, dependent, the God creator of everything, dependent on two humans to raise him, trusting his hands into those he created, into those he loves. He is our king without a palace, a master without slaves, a leader without an army. Jesus did all of this because he loves us. You know, love will make you do a whole bunch of crazy things for those that you love. I, you know, I remember uh, just a little while ago, uh, Drew here, um, <laughs> Drew and me, a couple other guys, we were out for a, out for a bike ride, and we, uh, we, went to do, uh, we went to do this big ride called the uh, Jumping Pound Cox Hill, and uh, pretty tough climb, right, Drew? Drew, come, just step, step into the light here. No, don't turn it on, don't turn it on. You, you, you don't need to turn it on. Uh, so... The, uh, so we go to do the, this ride, and it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big distance, pretty big, a lot of climbing, a lot of difficult climbing, not, not easy climbing. Uh, and, and because the, the start point and the end point were very far apart, you had to park your car, park one car at the start and one park car at the end, right? So we parked uh, Drew's car at the end, and we went and parked my truck at the start, and so we took off and we did this uh, very grueling, difficult climb. And we get to the... Do I still not have a mic? He doesn't have a mic. That's good. Come so on. We, we get to the car at the end. 
and Drew just looks like white like a ghost. And, I, and he's, like, he's like, something's wrong. And he's like, he's like, my keys. I don't have my keys. I said, where are your keys, Drew? I don't Drew? talk like that. <laughs> I said, where are your keys? He said, I left them in your truck. And it was about a 15-kilometer, very difficult road ride back to my truck. Thank you, Dave. Um, don't interrupt the story, Drew. Because, <laughs> but because I love Drew, because I love him, I, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I said, you know what, Drew, I will ride the road back. It's a very difficult road. It was like another 600 meters of climbing. So yeah, it is. Who, who amongst us no, will ride? And you said, I will. Yeah, I know. I, I volunteered myself, so I'm, I'm, I'm making this way more of a story than it was. But the truth is, I loved you enough to go back and get the keys for you. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been able to get back to town, would you? You've been stuck there. You've been stuck there. I mean, I'm out of shape, but I'm not that out of shape. It would have taken me a couple hours. Yeah. Anyways, I was happy to do it for you. That's, uh, that's just me working my the story into the sermon just to, to roast you a little bit. So, uh, the point being, when you love someone, that's just a glimpse of God's love for us as my love for you. But God's love for us, Receive that. so much greater. He would do anything for us. Uh, and he did do anything for us. Uh, why would the creator of the world do such a thing? Why would he become so vulnerable? Why would he come to earth? Why would he put himself in a vulnerable place? Why would he suffer the death on the cross? Why would all these things happen? Why would God become Emmanuel with us simply because he loves us. And this is the beginning of the gospel message, that God initiated everything, that God came to us. And this reality should change everything. So, so when people say, well, the message of the good news is so exclusive, it's actually so inclusive. It's so inclusive that the God of the creator God came to earth for all people. And you don't have to get up the mountain to find him. You just actually have to receive him. And Romans 2 verse 4 says, the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. So we repent, which means we turn around, we change direction, we come to God instead of doing things our own way, not because we're afraid, not because of religious rules of things we should or shouldn't do, but because we actually seen the kindness and the love of God that he's wooed us, that he's called us, and because of that, we willingly come to him because he actually came to us. I'm going to invite you to stand. And Lord, we thank you for this good news. We thank you that this isn't just uh, an idea, a nice idea. We thank you that the truth isn't an idea. We thank you that you are truth. We thank you that you made this truth known, that you became one of us, that you came to us, that you did all that we couldn't do in and uh, you couldn't do, you did all that we couldn't do ourselves. And Lord, may we see the beauty, the love, the initiation, the inclusivity of this good news. Lord, may that kindness, may that truth of your love for us just actually move us to a place of feeling like we have no other choice but to follow you and give our lives to you because of what you've done for us. Lord, in this moment again, we, we choose you. We repent of turning away from you, of thinking that we've got to work to get towards you. We repent of the things that we've done that actually break your heart. Lord, we respond to your love for us by saying, Jesus, we love you. We receive you. We thank you for the good news of your son, Jesus, who came to us for us. Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, team. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for your grace. Um, <laughs> I told you when it happened, I said, this is coming in a sermon soon near you. Uh, anyways, um, I hope that, uh, that you can hear the ground, the foundation of the gospel and how that actually changes everything. Um, I hope you can see the difference in our lives when we actually uh, try and work our way up the mountain or, or buy into that type of mentality. And, and it, it actually begins from a faulty place of, uh, of dismissing the entire thing that God has done through Jesus. Uh, if Jesus is God, it changes everything that we, we thought about religion, about how to get to God, that God actually came to us. And he invites us to respond to him and to receive him. And uh, if you've never actually taken that step of receiving uh, Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we'd invite you to do that this morning. Uh, and if you're online, you can, uh, you can just do that from your own, your own home. Uh, and that you can pray and, uh, and, uh, and let God know that you want to follow him, uh, that you want to receive him in your life. Uh, if you're on site, you can do, obviously do that as well, but we invite you to come forward. We have prayer teams at the end of the service. Uh, they would love to pray with you as you begin that journey. Um, perhaps there's other things in your life that... Uh, you would want support for. Uh, the prayer teams are available always on Sundays to pray for you uh, about anything going on in your life, any needs you have. Uh, maybe there's a, uh, there's a healing that you're waiting on God for. There's circumstances that you need intervention on. Uh, or maybe there's a praise item uh, that you, that you want to share uh, with somebody. Uh, they'd love to pray uh, with you and for you. Uh, and just a reminder, if you're new here, or maybe you've been here for a long time, but you, you want to take next steps and plug in, uh, a step more, we invite you to starting point. Uh, it's a great time to plug in because it's week one, uh, know God. And I know Colton said to register. I would say, don't even register, just show up. Uh, they will be happy to take you there. Uh, so let, let me pray for you. Uh, what's that? And there's muffins, he said. Uh, and there's not usually muffins, so this is a special muffins for you. Uh, so, yeah. So, Father, again, we thank you that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us, not God out there. Uh, and Lord, I think there's some people here that probably feel that you are far away uh, for whatever reason in these days. Um, and so God, we just ask that you would reveal yourself to them, uh, that they would actually have an encounter with your spirit. Lord, through a person, through your word, uh, through you speaking to them, Lord, that you would uh, continue to show up, and we know you will because that's in your nature to initiate and to show up. And so we just open our hearts to you. We invite you to come. Um, and we thank you for the good news. That is great joy for all people. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Have a great week. Uh, we'll see you next week.